when we think about the relationship of a customer data platform, we all need to understand that at the heart of it, whether you call it zero party, first party, second party, or third party, is that it really is the customer's data. The customer at the end of the day owns their data and the organization is just leasing it from them. You know, we have to earn trust with it. They have all the rights in this relationship now, and the organization needs to be stewards of this data throughout the relationship and treat it in that way. Welcome to the Future of Consumer and Retail podcast by SAP. Consumer products companies are urgently establishing direct relationships with consumers, and many are using a customer data platform, or CDP, to bring all the information they have together. In this episode, SAP Consumer Products experts, hosted by my friend Ratul Shah, will share best practices, including critical strategies, use cases, and KPIs to help you build an action-oriented CDP. Ratul, welcome. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having us again. I'm Ratul Shah. I am head of product marketing here at SAP Customer Data Solutions that help every organization do anything and everything with their customer data. And joining me today, I'd like to introduce you to Sonny, Javier, and Ritu. Sonny, please welcome yourself to the call. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Sonny Neely in the Consumer Products Industry Business Unit here at SAP. I'm an old CPG hand, you know, a veteran at Coke and Ferrero. So really excited about the discussion today. Thank you so much, Sonny. Ritu, welcome. Thanks. This is Ritu Salucha. I am a brand marketer in my previous life. In SAP, I work as a customer experience advisor and yeah, I would love to chat from my previous experiences at Walgreens, Coty, and Reckitt. Wonderful, Ritu. And last but not least, my good friend Javier, who is celebrating his 25th anniversary at SAP on SAP's 50th anniversary. Javier, welcome. Thank you, Ratul. Happy to be here. Yes, SAP long timer. Most of my career working with customer experience, CRM. So happy to share ideas and, and talk with the team. Today, we're going to be talking about the technology that is a customer data platform, but to really think about why you need one, it's more important to talk about the trends in the areas around how organizations are using this technology, which is designed to centralize all of your customer data, connect those dots, and activate that data in real time, not just across the front office, but the back. And when you think about the complexity of organizations, the enterprise customer data platform is critical when you think about all of these areas of a business. When you think about what does it really mean to deliver a customer experience, first you have to understand what a customer experience is. And this is the intersection between the customer's intent or the context at which they come to you and the brand promise that the organization is delivering. So when you think about consumer packaged goods, it's not just the web experience, but it's also all of the other pieces that come around the customer. Consumer packaged goods companies need to understand their customer in a different way and activate zero and first party data. And we've had conversations within Congress talking about all of these new rules and privacy regulations and how the tech industry has created monopolies. There's been legislation that's crossed the desk talking about the privacy and surveillance of advertising and are consumers really interested in the personalization of digital ads that follow us around? And I think there's going to be very exciting evolution of these legislation, how organizations have to interpret them, but also at the heart of it, how customers are really defining that experience. And so let's jump right into what do companies really need to think about and what do they need to know? So Sonny, you know, we've had this conversation a lot 
You've seen the legislation drafted. You've seen how companies have to have digital presence to create those relationships going forward. How are you thinking about it and how are you unpacking it and how are we advising clients? Thanks, Rachel. I mean, it's no question people need a foundation, a unified consumer record, first-party data that's gathered in a way that is compliant with ever stricter and more privacy-oriented legislation. So a move to a customer data platform where consumer packaged goods companies are owning data, it'll get into a place where they're closing that data deficit that they face between them and their closest collaborators, like the media ecosystem and their retail partners who have a lot more data than they do. There's no question CPGs need this data. They need this data foundation. But you know how much do they need? Is the sky the limit? Do we just keep spending and spending? Because it's certainly not free. To start to think about this, what are the use cases? I mean, a lot of people, when they think of CDP, they kind of, okay, well, this is just going to be another way to do targeted marketing and to optimize that. And that's true. No question. That's one of the top use cases for a CDP is you can actively target and retarget these consumers in a really effective, optimized way. And with third-party cookies being deprecated, this is top of mind for everybody. But that's not the only use case that CDPs and a wonderful unified source of consumer data can be used for. Another example of a use case, if companies are pulling together thousands, or as we're seeing with some of the larger CPGs, millions of persistent unified records, named consumers, anyone who's worked in market research or marketing at all knows that you're sitting on a goldmine of consumer intelligence. It's funny, when I was at Coke, we had something called the Consumer Beverage Landscape Study. This is years ago. A little under 20,000 records in it where you know you basically could go in and you could slice and dice information about consumption across different kinds of demographic or usage patterns or brand preferences or, or competitive brand preferences and things like that. And it was great. But even those 20,000 records pale in comparison to what, I mean, millions of records that some people have in a, in a, in a, um, a CDP. So really, really exciting. The path forward for market research is it's going to be very interesting once once CDPs start getting fully populated and can be used as a representative sample for research. And then I'll just say one other use case. I mean, there, there's so many, but I think customer service, kind of on the other side of things, you know, if you want to improve your customer service, let's say you're a company that has a lot of, of subscriptions or you're a consumer packaged goods company that that does let's say durables you know appliances or something and you have a lot of customer service requests well one great way that you can improve the quality of the customer service you're giving is by pulling together all the information you have about that consumer once they've opted in into a unified record you can anticipate their needs versus simply having the phone number appear in your call center and having to guess what's going to happen next so in that case, you're not going to need a million uh, records. You just want to try and start with the consumers you have in your customer service database and build out unified records there. There are lots of other use cases and understanding what you need to use your CDP for is going to help you understand how big and deep your records need to be. Sonny, those are excellent points. And I'd love to just clarify a few of them really quickly before we we get to the rest of it. So I think, first of all, when we think about the relationship of a customer data platform, we all need to understand that at the heart of it, whether you call it zero party, first party, second party, or third party, is that it really is the customer's data. The customer at the end of the day owns their data and the organization is just leasing it from them. You know, we have to earn trust with it. They have all the rights in this relationship now and the organization needs to be stewards of this data throughout the relationship and treat it in that way. The second piece I love around the customer service example is as we've had a lot of discussions here, 
customer service is no longer an activity confined to a department. It really is at the heart of what a customer-centric organization is. No matter who we as consumers or customers deal with at the brand and the organization, the reality is, is we're expecting that individual to be able to help us and making sure that the customers at the heart of these transitions are great use cases to also think about when you are delivering a customer-first approach. I'd love to bring Rithru back and talk about how some of your experiences in terms of the customer information and insights you get in real time, along with the customer information and insights you can get in a system of record for analytics, help you with a new product development category. As a marketer, you want to move away from the lengthy time and cost intensive market research methods to have a real time digital user panel because you want to innovate faster. You want to sense trends quickly and being able to have this data right at your fingertips, you'll be able to detect these trends quickly enough to make a difference. Your own digital user panels can give you the flexibility and importantly, it can be a very cost-effective reach to your consumers and what they're thinking, how they are consuming your product, really understanding what's going on from their behavior and how they are reacting within different geographies. Many of the consumers would be interested in trying anything which is innovative and new. And for a brand, this can be a real differentiated value. So helping in building these kinds of agile digital user panels can be a great way to stay up to trend. Absolutely. Ritu, you've hit on a lot of things in terms of amount of data, what are the applications for it? But Javier, why don't you come in and talk about the differences in the organizations that you operate in? And how do you think about that when you think about your actual customers and the models you're building? As Ritu and Sonny mentioned, it will depend a lot on each company. Each company is very different. So first, let's think about the category that you're competing on. So are you fast-moving goods? Are you durables? Are you fashion? And then because of this, the buying partner is different, right? If you are fast-moving consumer goods, maybe you are buying beer weekly. But if you are talking about durables, maybe you are changing your bicycle every five years. So the buying pattern is completely different. Also, you need to define what is your business model. So if you are talking indirect, a lot of the use cases will be around marketing. But if you are going direct, then you have the service piece and the fulfillment piece. So there is more use cases that you can have on that model. And we see that many CP brands are going direct to consumer today. And also you have the subscription model, which has more use cases that you can use consumer data with. So based on these strategies and categories and all that, you can define basically the strategies and the objectives for the data. So you will use this consumer information to get new customers, to increase the customer lifetime value, to increase the success rates or the new product introductions, to increase the wallet share. With this, you can define all the needs that you have for consumer data in the organization, and then the consumer data that you have, you can also check what information you can share across brands so that the learnings that you have in one brand, you can use in, in a different brand. Also, when we think about statistics, how much data do I need? 100% will depend on the use case. So on a marketing use case, the population is all your potential buyers. On a wallet share use case, the population on your analysis is your current customers. So it will be different sizes of information that you will need. Also, depending on the category, there is a standard deviation, right? How alike are your customers? 
is like customers that drink soft drinks, maybe very diverse, but customers that will be willing to buy a cycling power meter is very specific, right? So these kind of variables will also affect how much information that you will need. With all these insights, you can define a better strategies. Those are all amazing points. And I mean, when we talk about and I think about what customer centricity means, it's knowing who your customer is, how they want to be treated, and then using all of that context to be able to deliver in the moment, at any moment. And when you talk about understanding the use case, it's really about understanding who you are, what type of organization you are, and what you're trying to accomplish, and then finding the best fit for the customer, the delivery on that brand promise. This is how you build trust. And it does start off with customer data and getting that zero party data and first party data is super critical. So Ritu, I'd like to bring you back and start talking about what is the strategy first and then what is the tactics that organizations can actually operationalize? You've got to start creating compelling consumer experiences, experiences which are valuable to the consumer because they will generate the data as a byproduct. If the experience isn't important, for sure, you're not going to get any traction. And let me share an example with you. So this is a leading candy manufacturer. And during the pandemic, they created a virtual trick or treat digital experience. And through this app, they ended up creating a community which was unbound by geography. So can you imagine a child is able to trick and treat with their grandmother located in a different city as much as they could do it with their next door neighbor. In this whole experience, their app became one of the top apps during Halloween and it had more than 500,000 downloads. So that's the kind of experience which will resonate with consumers and they will willingly partner with you as an organization. Of course, discounts, coupons, these are some of the easiest ways to generate data. And these are tactics which will definitely get you traction. But you've got to be careful because at the end of it, it's going to impact your brand equity. And there is only a limited number of time that you can use them and generate interest. You've got to make sure that when you're embedding your data collection tactics, you do that seamlessly into the user experience. And I shared another experience of mine from my previous life. And this was as a brand marketer for a French skincare brand known as Aven. I used a diagnostic test online to help consumers determine whether they had sensitive skin. And at the end of the diagnostic test, we requested our consumers to share their email to get their results for any future reference. And for sure, we got a lot of click-throughs and a high number of consumers undertook the quiz because there was a perceived value for the consumer. And we ended up having a database of millions of consumers because these were consumers who were interested, they were engaged, and for sure, we nurtured them for retention. At the end of it, we want to make sure that we are able to keep these consumers into our ecosystem for a longer period of time. It's not just about acquiring customers. Just a 5% increase in retention can increase 25% in your profits. So using tactics like these can go a long way to drive growth for your brand. Ritu, what an amazing summary. I wish we could spend more time on these things. You know, the highlight that I took away from this was when you're thinking about your consumer, you have to understand the experience you're trying to design. 
And it's not just about designing what you've done in the physical world, but how do you create this experience in the digital world? Creating compelling reasons for your consumer to engage with you, providing value at every step of the equation, and making sure that you are in fact using their data in a way that is meaningful, providing services of value to create this value exchange of information and continually build your profile directly with that consumer helps them and helps you in the long run. Sonny, what are your thoughts on this as well? I love these examples. Just looking back on my experience at Coke, the one thing I would definitely say, short term, don't leave opportunities on the table when you're trying to get this data. Great example is your website. At Diet Coke eight years ago or so, the, the website was a total afterthought. We had several thousand people that would come to the website every month, but we didn't want to invest in it. We didn't want to nurture it. You know, we would get an invoice from our website support team. We're like, ah, you know, <laughs> I mean, why should we spend this? It's like we're, we're updating our entry in the Encyclopedia Britannica. I mean, nobody, nobody knows it's old tech, but gosh, I mean, the website is a goldmine of initial consumers that are very likely to opt in. If they're bothering to go to your website, make it compelling, make it very easy for them to opt in when they get there. Give real value and be transparent about it so you can get those opt-ins. You'll start the direction you'll take your entire CDP in. It is truly about a value exchange of information. When I started my career in digital marketing, it was always the conversation was, if you give me this information, I'll use it to personalize your experience. And personalization is still a very core part of the experience, but I don't think it's enough anymore. When you think about what the true value is, it is around better products. It's around better offers. It's about sustainability and giving back to the planet. All of these are more compelling value exchanges between the relationship between consumer and, and the CPG. And I think that's the piece here. And Javier, what do you think when you think about what that value is and how does an organization make that clearer? Because that's really where this is going. What is the true value? Yeah, I agree with what you said. And also what Ritu said, it's not about getting information from the consumer. It's how can I enhance this experience that we're having? An example, when you go to a sports game, you can see statistics about the players. There is a record they can break today. So they are actually enhancing the experience of watching that game. Extrapolate this in consumer products. If you are able to give advice to your consumer so that they can find the right product for them and the best way to use it, they're enhancing the experience of that user and consumption of that product. Think about durables. I mean, you're exchanging information to have a better proactive service, right? So that, that you will be notified before something actually breaks. And now with IoT, your equipment is sending information so, and it's enhancing this experience at the end. Also, we see brands, as you just mentioned, that are giving the opportunity to consumers to actually engage in social responsibility or sustainability initiatives. You see, there is many different ways but I think that the nicest thing to think about is how do you enhance the experience of usage and consumption of your product? These are all critically important points when you think about what the true value is. Let's take a moment and take a step back and reset a little bit with some of the definitions because we've been talking about customer data and the differences in the different types, but there's been some criticality that we talked about earlier around the difference between the anonymous data set and the known data set because there are different stages as we talk about the progressive profiling, but it doesn't start off with everyone knowing this relationship. 
this group here today has spent a lot of time together to get to know each other, but we didn't always know each other this well. And this is the same kinds of things that we need to understand in the digital world with the relationships, because not everyone is at the same state. So Ritu, why don't you share from your experiences and help us all explain the differences between what the industry terms as anonymous data, pseudo-anonymous data, and known data? Identified individuals, they're really known by an identifier that can be linked to a name, such as an email or phone or an address, while anonymous individuals, they can't be linked to a name, but they do have an identifier which can be tracked, for example, an IP address or an email behavior from CRM, browsing behavior on the site, or mobile app usage from a device ID. So you can build an anonymous profile too. You're absolutely right. And when you're being clear with what you're doing, that clarity, that transparency enables trust. And it also helps individuals move from the anonymous state to more of a known state. And Sunny, you and I have had lots of conversations one-on-one to kind of talk about how this impacted your past career. How did you think about this? Well, certainly having known opted-in consumers is the ideal scenario. I mean, you could do so much with them. But there's certainly a value in Anonymous. There's the value in getting started, especially in the early stages, you know, from having no consumer intelligence to the point of having a large anonymous population in your database. You can make generalized targeting suggestions. You can gather demographic, psychographic information and supply targeting information to walled gardens like Facebook and Google. I mean, it can be really valuable, but I think, you know, you don't want to rely on that forever because it's only through those persistent known records where you can just deliver exactly what's needed in a precise, personalized way, you know, all the way through the consumer's life cycle. And I think the ideal scenario is the known opted-in consumers that you can progressively profile to get more and more rich information and be able to take more and more effective and more precisely targeted actions with them. That's brilliant. There's this anonymous to known. There's this progressive profile of how you build up the value exchange throughout the journey. Everyone listening is at a different stage. So the beauty of talking to all these wonderful experts is they can make it really easy for us to understand things. So Javier, would you help us understand at a basic level, where do customers start with the types of data that they need on consumers, that they need to earn the trust of from their consumer? It depends on the business model, as we discussed earlier, right? So if you are going directly to consumer, that's kind of the best scenario because you have a lot of information. You have orders, you have delivery information, you have browsing behavior. So you have visibility even to the back office if you are doing the fulfillment. So there is a lot of transactional information that is happening, but also you need the demographics. Because when you have demographics, you can start linking behavior with people. Because it gives these people flavor. And that's where you can start thinking about marketing because then you start to understand your consumer. And also when you give that chance for the consumers to explicitly share their preferences and sentiment, that is also important. Then you can also link this variable into this equation, right? So basically you need to bring all the information together from all different sources. And then from this one place, you can start sharing this information to the different departments for product development or marketing or sales. It's all critical to understanding what a great relationship is. At the end of the day, we all need to know, are we on the right track to positively impact our businesses? And Sonny, come back and tell me about the KPIs that are super important to know where you are and where you're going. And are you pulling the right levers? Certainly number of consumers in the CDP. Great to know what percentage of your addressable market that actually is. 
Keep in mind your churn rate. You're going to be having to recruit that exact same number into your CDP every year. Be tracking your cost of acquisition. This might be really high at first as you're trying to understand what works best to efficiently get consumers into your CDP. Keep in mind that this is not going to be a free exercise. There will be a cost and you know track it and go after the places where you can get good consumer information, but also efficiently. How much information you have about each consumer, you know, you want to be measuring that. You know, you're never going to be Facebook. Facebook, I think, has 50,000 data points on each consumer, but it might be that there are much more salient data points, you know, previous purchase or whatever it might be that might be a very important data point to have or not have on your consumer. So, you know, adjust your KPIs accordingly. Absolutely. And I think when you think about everything everyone talked about, what are the data types? What are the value exchanges? What are the types of organizations you operate in? What are the KPIs? And when you think about where you're going to start, it's all about what are the most pressing use cases, understanding what the business impacts are for those, what kind of data you have to start with, what technologies you have in-house, and what the consumer is going to get from this and why you're collecting things. And it's not as so much to just say, hey, we're updating terms and conditions check here. The easier it is to understand, the better the relationship's going to be. And I think those are great starting points for everyone to understand. And I'm extremely excited about where this is heading for all of us, the provider side of the house, the consumer side of the house, and the brand and the CPG. That triad coming together is really going to deliver great innovation. Sunny, Javier, Ritu, it's been my honor to host all three of you again. And I look forward to another conversation very soon. Thank you, Ratul. Thank you, Ratul. It was great talking to you guys. Ratul, thank you so much. Javier, Ritu, I always enjoy connecting. Look forward to continuing the conversation. In this podcast episode, we talked about how many consumer products companies are building customer data platforms and how the best of them have key strategies and use cases to ensure they can best take action on the insights gathered. To take the conversation deeper, connect with SAP experts at FMI Midwinter via the link in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to sharing again with you in the future.